This podcast represents the opinions of Whiskey Wheels Wounds and guests to the show. The content here is for informational use only and should not be taken as medical advice. Consult your healthcare professional for medical questions. Views and opinions expressed are our own or guests and do not represent any organization we are a member of. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statement or opinion made. This podcast contains explicit language and mature content. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Whiskey Wheels and Wounds. I'm Sean Neighbor, nine-year United States Air Force vet. And I am Steve Vickers, 22-year U.S. Army veteran. I'm good. I'm good. Let's ride. Okay, boys, time for the show. All right, so um, last few episodes, we've kind of gotten away from where we started talking about some other things that, you know, it's important to us, but might not be important to everybody. Um, so we're going to kind of redirect and go over some stuff a little more in detail, some things that we've talked about before. Um, and, and like the big piece of that is just, you know, what we refer to as the new normal. Yeah, and and we all have... Um, a part of our lives that was steady, that was regimental, that was, and you know, the target audience here are veterans. So at some point in your life, <clears throat> depending on how, how long you stayed in the military, but for the time you were in the military, it was regimental. It was, you know, um, training schedules and, you know, things, things that everything was planned out, everything, um, to, to the, to the time. And when, when you get out, you lose some of that structure and you start feeling, filling in gaps with other, um, other things that may not be as constructive or it, it may quite frankly be damaging to you. Um, yeah. When you're, when you're in, you don't want to be told what to do, when to do it, how to do it. But when you get out and you don't have that structure, it's like that scene in Shawshank Redemption when the guys have been in prison so long and they're so institutionalized that when they get parole, they're, they do stupid shit to get sent back because they can't function Right. outside of that environment and and in a way the military institutionalizes us to live a certain way and to have and so when we don't have that it it kind of fucks us up a little bit yeah so that and then um it also the new normal also explains you know when you were 17 years old chances are you didn't have a bad back. You didn't have bad knees. You didn't have chronic headaches. You didn't, you know what I mean? Yeah. You didn't have you, ringing in your ears. 17, 18 year old you was fucking six feet or seven feet tall and bulletproof. Right. So you didn't have um, mental restrictions. You didn't have physical restrictions. You didn't have, 
you know, this, this, uh, large, um, large suitcase of darkness, you know, this, uh, um, Samsonite, yeah. uh, suitcase of shit that you've accumulated over the years you were in the military. You so, didn't, you didn't understand the phrase, hello, darkness, my old friend. <laughs> right. Um, so that, you know, that's a new normal as well. So, you know, when you're in the military, sometimes, you know, yeah, everybody goes on sick call and, you know, I got an owie, I got, I got this and that, but you know, you're still dealing with things that you're working through. You were made to work through, right? And, you know, again, there's a, there's a thin line between, um, you know, being a hard ass and being negligent. You know what I mean? Like, again, um, like we said about the Marine Corps staff sergeant that was, um, charged with the death of one of his Marines, you know, um, yeah, I think maybe a murder charge is is a bridge too far, but you know, I think there's some dereliction of duty in there. I mean, as NCOs, we would we would deem that negligent. Yeah, right. And and um, full disclosure, um, that staff sergeant was acquitted uh, of all charges except for um, calling Marine recruits out of their name, which I, I, you know, I don't understand, but it ain't for me to understand. So, um, but yeah, I mean, you have to, um, and it's worth revisiting cause he was a fuck that guy a couple extra episodes ago. Um, and I still stand by the fucking, you know, you, you lost accountability of a trainee for over an hour. And when, when he was found, he was dead. Regardless of his, if his body um, was predetermined to shut down at a certain point or not, when he died, he was alone. And uh, you know, you you may not be, um, you may have gotten acquitted on the legal side of it, but in the halls of NCODM, yeah. And, uh, you know, legally, you got acquitted. Morally, yeah. You know what I mean? Um, if if you know, um, I I wouldn't want to be one of your guys and rely on you to be accountable for me if something happened. Yeah, I mean, I um, by I believe he's no longer in the Marine Corps. Um, at Staff Sergeant. Yeah, I mean, it'd probably be pretty hard to put him in charge of anybody. Yeah. Um, so, um, he he can do good things in the civilian world. Anyways, but I was always known as as someone who who was hard. Um, but I don't think I was ever. And again, you know. Of course, I didn't think I was, you know, um, 
I don't, I don't think I ever went to the lengths. Now, um, the going back to the reports of the Marine Corps staff sergeant, you know, it was, you know, he had, um, these ideas, uh, ideas of being the best Marine Corps, uh, his platoon. training platoon. Yeah, yeah. They were going to be the ever. best. Right. So, um, I didn't have those goals, right? Like, it wasn't, you know, I didn't write that on a whiteboard somewhere. It was, if we do these things, that thing over here that's not even up there will take care of itself. You know what I mean? Like, and, you know, there's no, there's no head-to-head competition. Like, this, this ain't. The proof is in the pudding, right? The proof is in the pudding when you get called for those missions that I've spoke about before, right? When you're the guy, oh, we we have to go there at limited visibility and, you know, yeah, I, I know who to send. Yeah. If, if you're constantly trying to make yourself better, and you're constantly trying to make your guys better, then eventually you will become the best just by the process of being better from one day to the next. You don't have to, you don't have to say, we're going to be the best motherfuckers around. You can just say, we're going to be the best motherfuckers we can be. And if we do it to what we think we can do it to, eventually everything else will fall into place. That's right. And uh, yeah, because, you know, I knew of NCOs who, you know, in the army, we have the, uh, you know, NCOER, um, non-commissioned officer um, evaluation report. And, you know, it's broken down into five sections and, you know, you get a, you know, a needs improvement uh, success or, you know, an excellent, um, it's probably different now, but anyways, like I knew guys that like it was almost like first thing in the morning when they woke up, they're like, Hmm, let me see what bullet I can write myself today, you know? And, you know, and and then on the flip side of that, there was, there's those leaders out there that would be like, if you don't fucking execute your fucking NCOER will reflect. And you're like, Bro, the only way you're going to hurt me with an NCOER is to roll that son of a bitch up and poke me with the pointy end in my <laughs> eye. You know what I mean? Like, I don't give a fuck about your NCOER. You know, like, I didn't, again, it's one of those things where, you know, it's a, a year has gone by and we're like, hey, Vic, um, we need to talk about your NCOER. Cool. And, uh, um, all right, what we need to talk about. I, I need I need you to do a draft. <laughs> and that was usually the case. Like, I need you to do a draft and have it on my desk by Tuesday. I'm like, you're my raider. Yeah, have a draft. <laughs> on my... On my uh, Part of your evaluation is how good can you write an right? NCOER? <laughs> your, your, uh, your military writing skills. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was usually... Uh, usually the case. Um, but you know, I had, I had some good officers who, uh, um, 
they uh, they they thought of me glowingly at, at some points in my career. So uh, I appreciate that. But no, it, it's one of those things where you just do what you do, and when it's t- when it comes time to you know, um, th- there are people out there when you have to sit down and think. Okay, what did this you know? And that's why I used to tell my tell my guy when when you know I'm my squad leader's raider raider. We sat down often. I'm like I'm. You're not writing your NCOER. I'm writing your NCOER. And that shit. Everything you do is going to reflect, and everything you know. And uh, <clears throat> um, it, you know, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about this, you know, um, quarterly, like like we're supposed to um, but the new norm now a word from our sponsor Ohio Cigar Mafia are you in the state of Ohio and a cigar enthusiast join the ranks of over 200 members who enjoy a good stick paired with a sip of their favorite spirit as they raise money for veterans Ohio Cigar Mafia is a 501c3 who supports the Southeastern Guide Dogs. They allow veterans to witness a brighter future through the eyes of a service dog. Thank you, Ohio Cigar Mafia, for your support. I I guess it's, we do what we do until we don't do what we do. Right, but we're, we're creatures of habit. Mm-hmm. Right. So creatures, a habit. So the new norm is your new habits, Yep, which could be good, bad, or ugly. Yeah. Right. Like my, your, your new habit is smoking methamphetamines every day. Right. That's a new, that's your new norm. Yeah. And, and the transition between one normal to the new normal is kind of the, you can learn to tolerate a lot of things. Yes. But the key is in that transition, finding the right things to tolerate. And normal is, just for clarification, normal is, in this instance, a relative term, right? Like, um, We're not saying that uh, <laughs> sucking on a crack pipe is normal. Right. <laughs> but if you do it every day, it's your new normal, yeah. right? So it's what normal. it's what's normal to you. So We don't condone sucking on the glass dick, but... If you do it, it's what you do. It's what you do. That's your normal. But just just to throw that uh, out there, um, yeah, I mean it's it's an adjustment. You know, when I talk to um, my counselor, you know, it's funny how you talk to someone about memory issues, and they give you tools on how to deal with your memory issues. And, you know, part of that tool is remembering you have tools <laughs> to use. And I'm like, doesn't that defeat the purpose? Like, you know, it's, but here's a, here's a good tool to remember. Talk yourself through doing it. I'm like, okay, I'll try that. And then you go back to the next, um, session well how did that happen i'm like well i have a six-year-old that thinks i'm an idiot because i'm narrating getting her chocolate milk 
out of the refrigerator. <laughs> you know, <laughs> babe, can you get me chocolate milk? I most certainly can. I'm going to walk over to the refrigerator. I am going to open up the refrigerator. I'm going to reach in and grab your gallon of chocolate milk. What are you doing? I am narrating what I am doing right now. So just listen and you will know. I'm now taking the cap. That's what yeah. she wanted me to do. That's what I did. Made made um, Nova think my new normal was crazy. And But that was, you I'm know. I'm sure she told you. Oh, most certainly. <laughs> You're nuttier and squirrel turds. Right. Yeah, most certainly. I mean, she, babe, what are you doing? Do I need to call mom? Right. <laughs> um, mom, babe's gone crazy. So, yeah. So she's like, how did that work out? I'm like, well, I have a six-year-old that thinks I'm an idiot. But, you know, she pretty much thought I was an idiot before that. So I'm just confirming it for her. And she's like, how did, you know, like have you ever walked into a room and said, why'd I come in here? You know, and then have to backtrack your steps. And then at some point in backtracking your steps, you're like, ah, that's why I went in there. And then by the time you get back into the room, you're like, fuck. Is If that's just me, then that's why I have a brain injury. <laughs> right. So, you know, like I will see something on Facebook and be like, fuck, I need to Google that. By the time I close one app, open another app, and like, why the fuck am I in Google? Man. Well, I had a compliance review today. My appointment was at 1030. I get there at 1030. She's like, I didn't think you were coming today. I'm like, why? She goes, I was already typing up your letter. Your appointment was at 10. I'm like, no, it was 1030. She's like, no, it was 10. So in my head, I thought it was 1030. Last night, when I was in the database, I looked at it. It said 10, but because of my head, I read 1030 yeah. because I thought it was 1030. Like I confirmation biased my ass into believing that it was 1030 because I thought it was 1030. I didn't read what it actually said in my head. I read 1030, yeah. you know, cause I thought it was 1030 and I'm like that with every fucking appointment I do. I can't keep them straight. And I used to never be that way. And now I can't keep fucking appointments straight to save my life. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm so, um, I'm so anal about being late or, or, you know, um, I will check, double check, recheck things like that. And, and, uh, like I'll know when and where a meetup is, but the night before I'm still double checking to make sure that I'm right. And then, okay, I'm going here, and this is the time I need to leave, and this is what time I need to do this. And it doesn't help that my wife makes me habitually late to everything. I, um, I, but I, I still run into, like you, I still run into problems. Like, um, I was supposed to see a, a neurologist for my brain, um, uh, and, uh, The appointment was in Columbus, but I went to Zanesville, and they're like, "No, honey, your your appointment's in Columbus in fifteen minutes. We don't have neurology here, right?" And I'm like, <laughs> "Well, I guess I ain't gonna make that one." And then you call, right? You're like, 
hi, I'm, I'm, I'm calling to, you know, I'm supposed to have an appointment with Dr. So-and-so about my, you know, brain injury. Yeah. Well, I forgot what hospital is at. Oh, she's like, we understand um, in our field that happens all the time. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like, you know, I get it. I was supposed to go Monday to uh, have an EMG and also prosthetics to get fitted for these braces for my hands. And I had a migraine episode, dizzy, lightheadedness, dry heaving. So I call the number and it tells me to press, you know, two for the appointments and then like three for specialty appointments. Right. And so I press that. I get sent to the operator. They're like, um, yeah, we need to transfer you to uh, this department. So they transfer me. Somehow I get kicked back out to the operator. The operator is like, um, what can I help you with? I'm like, I'm trying to get, you know, my specialty. She's like, oh, yeah, I got you. She transfers me. The primary care scheduling line. I'm like, no, no, I need specialty care scheduling line. So they get me back to specialty care scheduling line. And the lady's like, um, well, we don't do those. I have to transfer you to um, specifically to prosthetics, and then they'll transfer you over to EMG. I'm like, all right, cool. So they transfer me to prosthetics and it just rings and rings and rings and rings and rings. This entire process has taken so long that when it just rings and rings and rings and rings and rings and then it hangs up, I fuck you. I ain't calling back. Right. You know, like, so I'm like, all right, I'll wait a little bit and then I'll do it. And then I wait, but then I forget. So then Tuesday I get a phone call. It's from fucking EMG. They're like, you missed your appointment yesterday. I'm like, well, I know I tried to reschedule it, but I got transferred to 27 different people and then I got to where it was just ringing. And by the time my brain was back on track to try to call you again, it was too fucking late. So, you know, I tried, but you know, the, the VA system and all of its flaws and beauty enabled me to just say, fuck it again. Right. And yeah, it's, it's the, the, the phone system is, ridiculous the the new and maybe maybe it says it like i would like to not have to ask people where um like i went to claims and compensation and pension um tuesday when i went up there um and now on on my on the website on my you know my healthy vet website it it'll tell me the doctor but it won't say claims and pension room to whatever yeah so when you get there you have to fucking talk to people which you know i don't particularly like um like I would walk around to every fucking, every, every fucking door in that place and look for doctor, whoever I'm supposed to meet before I fucking talk to people. That's just me. But Or, or you'll talk to them and they'll be like, we're on the second floor. You get off the elevator, hang a left, two rights, and then a left. Yeah. But your appointment's in six weeks. Right. So then when you get there, you're like, I'm pretty sure they said the second floor. But when I get off the elevator, where the fuck am I supposed to go again? And then you're like looking around and then you're like, um, I'm, I'm looking for this. And they're like, oh, yeah, it's here, here, here and here and here. 
Like, can't you read the sign? I'm like, where the fuck's the sign? (laughs) Why didn't you ask the reception down at the thing? I'm like, really? Yeah. Like I'm 44 years old. You want me to ask the 80 year old fucking Korean war vet down there where to get somewhere? Like, right. Like, come on, let me be a little more embarrassed of fucking memory issues. When the guy that's twice my age is like, young man, you go over to the elevator, you go up to the second floor, you hang two rights, a left and then a right. And it'll be right there. It's a green door with a yellow doorknob, blah, 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 blah. And you're like, all right, hold on. Could you say that again? Cause I done fucking forgot where you started. Go ahead and jump (laughs) in his wheelchair. I'll take you up. I was like, oh man. But yeah, I mean, it's, um, and I don't have a brain injury. I just have fucked up memory uh, issues. It's just one of those things where, you know, you, you, if you have a resource to give people information, give people all the information. Don't, don't, it, it reminds me of the time I was up in Cleveland and um, I went up there for an event um, at um, Quicken Loans Arena uh, back when it was Quicken Loans Arena um, where the Cavs play. And uh, so it was a Sunday. We were up there early. We got some lunch. Uh, met up with some other guys that was doing the event with us and streets parked or street is packed to park. But there, there was a, uh, there was a spot that if my truck was born there, it would fit in there perfectly. But having to parallel park in there, um, uh, you know, it don't fit in there as well, but you know, couple bumps with the rear bumper in the front bumper fit perfect <laughs> um so you know we go eat chilling and uh head into the arena for our event i left my truck parked on the street everyone else was parked on the street well there's a sign on the meter that said um free parking on Sundays. So you don't have to pay the meter. There's a sign on the other side of the meter that says read the sign at the end of the block. What the fuck? But it's on the side of the meter that you pay. Right? So I get out, I look at the meter, it says free on Sundays. So I don't go to the front because I don't have to pay. So I don't read any other fucking signs. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't know what Cleveland thinks, but I don't walk around places just looking at fucking signs to tell me what to do all the fucking time. So we go into the event, have a great event, um, got to see a Cavs game, um, come out. The whole street where the trucks parked is empty. And I'm like, wow. Everyone that came to this game that was parked on the street has left already. And we get up to the corner where I can see where the truck's parked. Truck ain't there. And I'm like, fuck. And I'm like, now, now I'm looking at signs to see if I'm fucked up. Go to the, I'm like this parking meter, you know, the guy I was with, he's like, you probably got towed. 
Like, why the fuck would I get towed? Don't have to pay on Sunday. Today is Sunday. Fucking, you know, um, go back to the meter. Now I see the sign on the other side of the meter that says read the sign at the end of the block. So I walk down and read the sign at the end of the block. No parking during these times on these days, which was which those dates coincided with events in the Quicken and Loan Center. Well, fuck. So now I'm pissed because, you know, as a as a city, Cleveland's a big city, right? In in a small town where I'm from, you don't want somebody to park at a meter, you put a bag over it. No parking. When when the time you're allowing park at that meter, you take the bag off. Park. Simple as that. It don't you don't put a bag on the meter that says you can park here after you read that sign at the end of the fucking block. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so I am fucking irate. So the the guy I'm with, um, Sean Patterson, CLP, um, shout out to him. Um, guy I'm with, uh, he he's like, all right, let's figure this out. So he, you know, he calls the the fucking um, the police. Hey, you know, da 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 da. We're parked here. They're like, "Yep, they towed it." So you're parked there now. It, it was towed. All right, uh, where they, you know, and it's like flag down somebody. They'll, 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 you know, so we flag down somebody, and you know the police pulls up what what's up we're like uh i had a truck parked right here he's like it was parked here from five o'clock to such and such like yep yep it got towed like why'd you park there uh so the sign right there says i could park here for free on sunday yeah but that sign down there i'm like i didn't read the fucking sign down there like why would i read the sign down there at the end of the fucking block and don't say, Steve, read me. And don't say, all people walking by should read this sign. Nope. Nope. He's like, I don't know what to tell you, guy. I'm like, hey, you, you got a fucking supervisor. Can you get a supervisor over here? Yep, sure. Let me. So, supervisor comes over, and this motherfucker... He pulls next to the curb where we're standing and he's on, he's facing the wrong way on the wrong side of the street, but he don't want to get out of his car to talk to us. So he's going to roll his window down, face the wrong way and be like, what's the problem? Like the problem is I had a Ford F-150 parked right fucking here and you motherfuckers towed it. He's like, yeah, can't park here. Like, oh, I can because I did. I'm like, come on, man. Like, what the fuck? I like this, you know, I'm like, this is how we treat people, right? This is how you treat out-of-towners. Like, you know, like, I'm supposed to know I have to read a fucking sign. No. Um, 
And he's like, you know, and I'm like, bro, like, he's like, uh, you can pick it up at whatever yard it was in. I'm like, all right. So fucking Sean Googles that shit. He's like, it opens up at 9 a.m. It's closed now. <sighs> so now I'm really pissed. I'm fucking two hours from home. I'm going to have to spend the night in Cleveland. I'm going to have to figure out a way to get from where I'm at to the impound yard. And then I'm going to have to spend whatever it costs to get the car, my truck from impound. So I'm on my phone looking at hotels on a fucking game night in Cleveland, in downtown Cleveland, and nothing was under 235 bucks. Nothing. Fuck. So this female uh, police officer, she comes up, and I, I'm, I'm visibly, visibly upset. So much so, like, you know, uh, bums, bums were coming up to me. Hey, man, you have a dollar? And I'm like, hey, motherfucker. I'm like, I had a goddamn truck that was parked here fucking, you know, two hours ago. It ain't there no more. Does the, it look like I have a fucking dollar for you? Oh, bro. Hey, bro. Hey, and and the bums are like, yep, I got towed. <laughs> bums was like, hey, my bad, man. He's like, you're having a bad, worse night than I am. I'm like, you goddamn right. So um, the guy goes away. The supervisor goes away. And then he comes back a little later. And then a female comes up and is like, and then, dude, the 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 bum, you know, he's sitting there, and and I'm talking to this guy. I'm like, hey, bro. I'm like, you know, at that point, I'm like, I don't I don't know how you, you know, fucking. Um, so Sean Sean was like, yeah, we're 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 veterans. Uh, we're over in the Quicken Loans Arena. We, we were doing a. Um, thing for a veteran nonprofit organization like bro we're doing all the right things and you towed our fucking truck and the cops like well how the fuck am i supposed to know you're a veteran i'm like um i said it says u.s army retired on the window and when you hook the motherfucker up there's a purple heart plate i'm like that that's a clear indication that a motherfucker's a veteran and he's like oh man you you had a purple heart I'm like, yeah. Ah, oh, thank you for your service. Ah, fuck all that. Th- fuck that. You want to thank me for my goddamn service? Let me get my truck tonight. I said, I'll pay whatever the fuck I got to pay. I said, let me get my truck out tonight. That, that'll thank me for my goddamn service. Um, and he's like, all right, man, let me, let me make a call. Uh, fuck. And, uh, and the whole time I'm, whole t- now I'm talking to, I'm talking to this police officer, and, and I get it. And the whole time, old boy behind me is like, yeah, man. Yeah, give him his truck back, man. Give him his truck. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, my hype man, Flavor Flay back there fucking, yeah, give him his truck, man. He served this country. And uh, so I'm, I'm still pissed. And, you know, and all of a sudden, another police car, fucking, that guy leaves. Let me see what I can do. He leaves. Fucking, 
you know, we ask the female first, hey, okay, let me see what, and they leave. And uh, no one can ever stand there and do something for you. They have to leave and, you know, so, you know, at another guy pulls up. He's like, you the guys with the truck? I'm like, I'm the guy without the motherfucking truck. You know, like, yeah, that's what I meant. He's like, get in. Get in. Yeah, get in. I'm going to take you. I'm like, all right, fuck. We get in. And uh, let me tell you. It was the first time I was in the back of a police car, right? In my life, right? And uh, um, it them seats are fucking plastic, hard plastic, right? So I guess, you know, people piss shit and throw up in there. They just fucking spritz that shit out and fucking on to the next one. So me, me and Sean in the back of this fucking uh, police car, and he's taking pictures and fucking posting on Facebook. He's like, "Man, this nobody's gonna believe this shit." So I'm like, "Hey, sir, I'm like, uh, I appreciate it. I'm like, you know, I'm willing to pay what you know, whatever fines or you know, um, to get this." And he's like, "Hey, man, um, when you go in there, I wouldn't say nothing. I don't think they're charging you at all." And I'm like, "Oh shit, all right." He's like, so don't say nothing. (laughs) I got you, bro. Appreciate you. So he pulls us. He, you know, we go to the impound lot and uh, I walk in there and they're like, you the guys with the F-150? Like, yes, sir. He's like, all right, sign here. I signed there. He's like, let's go find your truck. I'm like, all right. So we're walking through the, uh, we're walking through the lot and there's a F-1, you know, black F-150 just like mine and the front end's fucking smashed and he's like, this it? I'm like, that fucking better not be. <laughs> that fucking better not be my truck. And uh, he's like, he looks at, you know, they had the, the fucking number on the window. He's like, oh, that one number off. Nope, not yours. He's like, yours is probably down here. We go down there. He's like, all right, have a good night. I'm like, that's it? He's like, yep, that's it. Have a good night. I'm like, all right. So, we get in the truck and uh, I look down at the clock and that whole story I just told was like 45 minutes. <laughs> Everything I just said happened in like 45 minutes. And I'm like, fuck. Like I, to me, it was like 2 a.m., right? Yeah. No. It, uh, fuck. It was like, from start to finish. Like 45 minutes. These fucking cops are taking forever. And it was like four minutes. (laughs) Right. And I'm like, you know, because the gravity of, all right. Um, Well, and, and, but that's one of the things with PTS is that you can't, you struggle dealing with everyday stress. So when you get something like that added on top of it, it, if you can't handle everyday stress or you struggle to handle everyday stress, when you get that kind of stress thrust on you that quickly with that type of, like you said, severity, it, your whole world comes crashing down. Like you can't like it, it just, it fucks everything up. Yeah. It, it was, you know, um, the severity of, okay, 200, 230 bucks for a hotel. I mean, I couldn't even get in a, a, a fucking shitty hotel. I'm like, 
all right, quit looking up hotels, start looking up motels. You know what I mean? Like, um, I can, need, can I, I need, get one of those by the hour places? Yeah, get, just give me fucking six hours of sleep, I'll be good. Um, and I'm like, man, fuck, how much is, you know, I, I can see right here on my phone how much the fucking um, room's going to cost. I don't know how much getting my truck out of there is, gonna, you know, because, you know, because there's a tow fee, there's a holding fee, there's fucking, um, you know, we shine, a, you know, the lights that watch over your truck fee. Of course, you don't know if you got ticketed for a citation. Right. And, and all that. And uh, so um, I was like, fuck, man. Uh, but it cost it cost thirty dollars to park in the lot adjacent to that little strip on the road. You know, cost thirty dollars to park in that lot. A parking ticket for parking on the street twenty five dollars. <laughs> so after all that. I saved myself five bucks. <laughs> I saved myself five bucks. But it, like, I was, I was so defeated that night. And, you know, there, I don't care what city you're in. You go to a sporting event. There's motherfuckers out there selling T-shirts, and, and they're on their grind. And I don't hate none of that. I don't, you know, you're on your grind. You know, you're, you're fucking... If if the circus is inside there, you're selling fucking circus shit. If the a basketball game, you're selling, you know, you're on your grind. I I don't do your thing, but when when I'm when I'm visibly in a state where I don't want you to talk to me, don't talk to me because I'm not gonna be nice. You know what I mean? And the amount of motherfuckers will be like, hey, uh, excuse me, can you? I'm like, no. All right, my, you know. My, <laughs> Like, after, like, three motherfuckers, like, hey, excuse me, can I talk to you? And after, like, three, like, the fourth one, I just made a move on. Like, I had my back to him, and, you know, uh, he's like, excuse me. And before he can get anything out of his face, I turn around, and he's like, never mind. <laughs> never mind, I'm good. Um, you do bum buddies, like, hey, man, I wouldn't talk to that motherfucker. <laughs> but but, our, but our, he, sat, he sat on a stoop. Of, you know, because then all the businesses, like we had lunch right there. All those businesses were closed. And uh, so he's sitting on the stoop. And, yeah, when that that supervisor came up and he's like, and I'm like, man, my fucking truck. He's like, yeah, it's truck. Fucking. I'm like, I can't believe you do, you know. And, and, and you know, Sean, uh, he, you know, he was like, hey, he's like, we were, he's like, we wasn't even in there watching a the basketball game. He's like, we were in. We were in the, uh, what's that shit called? The, the, out where the concession stand is and yeah. all that. Um, it, that's where we stayed. You know what I mean? He's like, yeah, we were fucking giving pamphlets and all this shit. And, uh, for a veteran, he's like, you guys are veterans? Like, yeah. He's like, thank you for your, I'm like, hey, fuck, fuck that. You want to thank me for my goddamn service? Get my motherfucking truck out of here. And Sean's like, man, you gotta calm down. Man, fuck that. Fuck, have to make me want to walk down the goddamn street. Fuck. Well, and, and you know, I used to say all the time in the history 
of calm down. No one has ever calmed down by being told to calm down. <laughs> Most, certainly. <laughs> Most certainly. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, it. But that's part of that new normal is managing stress. Right. And the stressors, your everyday stressors, those non everyday stressors. Yeah. And so I. We talked to some brothers um, last Friday and, you know, uh, we went to um, me and Chrissy went to a concert over the weekend and talked to our brothers. I'm like, yeah. And uh, they were like, can't do it. Can't do it. Won't do it. And I, I get where they're coming from. Right. Because things, things piss you off. Uh, things that environmental things that piss you off that you think I can't control. So the only thing I can control is not being in places where environmental things piss me off. And I, 100% get that, right? Like, I don't, chances are, um, if I had my choice, I would never go to another country bar again, ever. Why? Because um, I've been in many bar fights in my life. All of them have been in country bars, right? I have been the only Caucasian person in a bar before. Had no issues, none. I bounced in bars where I'm the only Caucasian. Uh, I'm the only Caucasian male. Excuse me. <laughs> excuse me. I'm the only. Let me let me let me. Let me rephrase. I'm the only Caucasian male in the club. Um, plenty of Caucasian females, you know. Um, but yeah, like I'm the only Caucasian male in there and have zero issues. You know, I don't have people looking at me sideways like, why the fuck are you in here? You know what I mean? Nothing. <clears throat> Bounced in clubs like that, had no issues. Um, I mean, now, people... People wanted to fight me because I was a bouncer and I kicked them the fuck out. They they didn't have a problem with me per se. They had a, a problem with me being a bouncer and doing my fucking job. I get that. But someone having a problem with me a hundred out of a hundred times, it's in a fucking country bar. And I don't I don't particularly know why. Uh especially like in Korea, you know, Korea, you'll you'll have every genre of club in Korea, and um, most of my fights in Korea were fucking. Bum 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 bum. Fuck battle of banjos. I don't, and I, you know, because again. I think it's it's one of those things where that motherfuckers think they're ten feet tall and bulletproof, and and you know, Korea, unlike any place else, you don't have to worry about getting shot or getting you know stabbed. You just you you had to worry about fucking somebody punching you in your face. 
And I was okay with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, fucking country bars every time, man. It's the music. Right. I mean, I know you don't like country, country music. Um, <laughs> and I, I will tell you this. I've learned, I've learned to like, like country music because, um, when my daughters were born, you know, um, some of the lyrics in rap music that I was listening to at the time was fine for me, right? Rap music, you know, and I say that not to sound hypocritical because I don't think music... sparks violence in the sense that people use it today, right? Like when people say, oh, those words are provoking violence. Shut up. You're stupid. Um, You know, back when, and I'm talking, this is rap music before explicit lyrics labels were put on. You know, this is when two two live crew was, you know, people lose their fucking mind over wet ass pussy fucking go listen to two live crew and you'd be like all right i get it you know what i mean like i mean go go listen to this fucking two live crew but yeah i mean when the the rap music i grew up on um and i used to be a hip-hop head um didn't i don't think my daughter's it would resonate with them, right? So, you know, um, both of them born in Georgia, grew up um, in in country-ish settings, right? So it resonated. Their mom was a country music, you know, she grew up in the country and, you know, that's, that's where her roots was. So, um, by default, that's what they listen to. So, <clears throat> out of respect of, um, out of respect for them, because you know rap music was all about bitches and hoes, and uh, back back then. And again, if you listen to Two Live Crew, they they don't. Um, uh, yeah, Uncle Luke could give a fuck about me too. You know what I mean? <laughs> the only me too he was talking about is, uh, we doing a train. Yeah. Me too. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So it, it, you don't, I didn't want, um, to project. Yes. I, I liked rap music, but I very rarely called women bitches or hoes. Right. Um, not because I didn't think I have met any bitches or hosts because <laughs> I, I met plenty of them. Um, but, you know, it, it was a respect thing. Right. So, um, yeah. Uh, you know, and it's funny. You use bitches all the time <laughs> and all the time, no matter who you're fucking talking to, you, you know. This you, bitch. Yeah, this bitch. Um, and I have inadvertently used 
that um, just by just by association, right? And it don't every time I do, it don't feel right, right? It just don't fucking don't fucking feel right. Um, now, um, I will something something on bitches. Back back in the day, there used to be uh, in my little clique in Korea, like bitch. If we call like now, dudes, I call bitches all day. Like don't you know? Don't be a bitch. Fucking you're bitching up right now. Whatever you know, it's it's not to call a dude a bitch is not derogatory for me. Um, uh, <clears throat> And it's one of those things that my dad instilled on me and, you know, uh, would you ever call your mom a bitch? No, then don't ever call anybody, you know, one of those things. So, um, but we, we had these tears like, you know, um, fucking, you're being a punk right now. You're being a punk ass right now, which is a degree higher. Or you're being a punk ass bitch, Right. If you're a punk, like if you fall to the level of punk ass bitch, you've done something. So it's pretty funny. It, it's uh, like that Key and Peel skit, right? Bitch, <laughs> you said that to her. You said that to her. Yeah, I did. I said, bitch. <laughs> They're up in the space shuttle. I said, I said, they look around. Bitch. <laughs> oh now, shit. I, I throw, I throw bitch around like, um, as just a term. Mm -hmm. I don't ever like when I'm telling stories about the wife and I'm like talking shit about her and stuff, I'll be like this bitch. Mm -hmm. But in seriousness, or if we're in an argument or something, I don't go, you fucking bitch. And, And it's like, I don't use it. I don't use it. I don't weaponize it right towards her. Right. I I use it a lot in just casual conversation, telling stories, humor, things like that. Right. And I think where, and I never, I've never taken it, you know, as such derogatory. But I think where we differ is everybody has a problem with my tone. <laughs> right. I mean, that's, that's, I gotcha. so regardless how I say bitch, it's coming off wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Every time, every time, <laughs> you know, cause I, you know, I'm not a ha 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 bitch, you know, like it's coming off. Every, everybody knows how I'm coming with it. Right. Cause it, it rarely does, rarely do people see me in that mindset. Um, like. You don't rarely do people get to hear my dad voice. Um, now, if I said my dad voice and I said, bitch, you would know I was pissed. But um, for the most of the time, I'm just ha ha funny, funny, you know. But again, that's that defense mechanism that I developed when I was a kid. You know, if if I'm if I make people laugh. You know, because I got bullied a lot. Right. You know, I was always the new kid. Um, and then as I got older, you know, that it's, you know, that saying, you know, the tears of a clown. Um, 
I always put the mask on. You know, if I'm if if I'm making everybody laugh and doing things like that, then people don't need to know just how fucked up I am. People say I'm the life of a party. Yeah, Smokey Robinson. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, I, yeah, I get it. it. It's again, I you you have to do that assessment to know. I mean, like, what's cool for you <laughs> don't really translate really good for me. Um, well, it's also knowing your audience, too. Well, it's that. And if you wasn't like that from day one, right? Like, from day one, when you started hanging around us, and you're like, yeah, this bitch. And, you know, everybody immediately, like, the first time you said it in the group setting, you're like, yeah, this bitch. Every like all heads, all eyes go to Brandy to see her reaction and there's nothing, right? Because she's, you know, and everybody's like, all right, okay. And then a few minutes later, you're like, yeah, and this bitch and everybody's like, all right, you know, and then I'm sure, <laughs> I don't know this to be fact, but, you know, I'm sure them them other, <laughs> other spouses is like, hey, um, it's okay to not be okay with him calling you a bitch. <laughs> well, and, and it doesn't take very long to realize that if there's somebody abusing somebody in my marriage, it's not me. <laughs> Most certainly. <laughs> Most certainly. Yes. Um, I am a punk ass bitch in my marriage. Yeah, right. And, and, um, and I believe I even said, um, like early on when I'm like, for as much as he does for her, she's getting off easy if all he does is call her a bitch. <laughs> He's getting well, off. I mean, we, we, we've all known those couples where um, you may not be 100% sure that there's abuse, whether physical, verbal, emotional, behind closed doors, but there's the telltale signs. Yeah. That That is not a telltale sign in my in, in Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like it, it would be different if everyone had concerns that maybe I was, you know, I call her a bitch cause I beat the fuck out of her or something like that, but it doesn't take very long to figure out that. No. As soon as she opens her mouth, you're like, ah, yeah, (laughs) I fucking get it. (laughs) She, she runs that motherfucking house. I get it. She is the boss. Uh, I'm like, you know, I'd be like, would it uh, never mind. <laughs> never mind. <laughs> oh shit. But yeah, I mean it, again, but it's also con- the consistency, right? You done it since day one. And it's now a acceptable um thing in your vibe yeah because it's a lot of the times it's this bitch you know what i mean it's not it's it's clearly in jest because i'm telling a story about how she fucking but it's 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 also the dynamic of your family right i mean (laughs) how 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 jay talks to your dad and how you know i mean like that's your family dynamic now brandy's family is not like oh right so my family is not like that either. Like my, well, my family is not like Brandy's family. Like we cuss at each other. Um, 
like cussing is an accepted form of English in my house growing yep. up. Um, now, cussing at people, different. Cussing while talking, right? Um, also different, right? It's, it's flavor text. Yeah. The, the word motherfucker used as a noun, that's derogatory. Um, motherfucker, you know. Used as an adjective. Right? That's different. This motherfucking piece of shit. <laughs> right? Different. You know, like, I used to say, I used to stand in front of my platoon and be like, all right, you motherfuckers, and I use that in the nicest possible sense, <laughs> right? You motherfuckers are pissing me off, or you motherfuckers, but I always, I always, cavity, always, you know, said, you motherfuckers, and I use that in the nicest possible sense, or, and then whatever, yeah, I'm, it, I'm it, motherfucking them about. It doesn't take it doesn't take very long of having a conversation with my father to understand <laughs> why I am the way I but am. But that's you know, <laughs> quickly quickly and another great trait about your your family is, you know, um like in some families it's like, all right, we're going outdoors, be on your best behavior. Like leave the home shit at home, and you know, nah. <laughs> There's fucking one neighbor level. It's that's now, it. But with that being said, my kids are respectful. Yeah, 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 yeah. But we don't. Yeah. But it's it's there's. There's when no my daughter's alter- when my daughter's walking around your house with a fucking turkey leg like she's a caveman. Right. <laughs> Go and fuck this shit. Right. I mean, now. Again, and, and then Brandy's like, oh, my God, like, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I don't apologize for my children. Brandy very much apologizes. Right. And she's like, oh, my God. I'm like, no, 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 this is fine. It's great. I'm like, yeah, my only problem of this day is you invited yourself. <laughs> That's my only my only issue is, you know, um, I had a day that I didn't have to deep fry a turkey until you invited yourself down here, and now I'm deep frying a turkey. No, and and I, you know, I give her shit um, out of love as well. So, yeah. no, it was, you know, the whole time she's like, oh, my God, I, you, you'll probably never want us here again. I'm like, no, at, at zero. Like, I'm all about genuineness, genuineness. So, you know, whatever that whatever that looks like, if you're genuine to yourself, I'm, I'm all we are authentic. Most certainly, most certainly authentic. Because in the year, oh, oh shit, September will be two. In the almost two years I've been in the chapter, almost every event, every interaction you've had with us has been pretty on par. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but again. It would be different if red flags don't go up when you say bitch. When I say it, it it don't because I'm I don't say it right, and um, so I'm not being genuine when I do say it. You know, like I say, listen all the time. So you know, everybody when I start a story, people will be like, listen, 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 right, listen. And, and I believe I was doing it before old boy on TikTok, but it, it is what it is. Um, 
I've been saying listen my whole fucking life and and until you guys pointed out I didn't really know I did it and I didn't really know where it comes from you talk to my mother for two seconds she'll she'll tell you exactly what to do and listen is the first thing and I'm like motherfucker <laughs> Like, we're on the phone, and she's like, listen. I'm like, um, what the fuck else you want me to do? <laughs> like, we're talking on the phone. That's what people do. You know what I mean? Uh, and I'm like, oh, my God. I, I turned into you guys <laughs> while talking to my mother the same way you guys talk about me. I was like, I fucking get it now. I fucking get it. Listen, listen. She's like, listen. I'm like, what the fuck else you want me to do? I'm like. I'm listening. And then you have that epiphany. You're like, oh. Yeah. I'm like, fuck, I get it now. <laughs> I fucking get it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it, again, it's, you don't realize, you don't realize what's normal until it's not normal. And it doesn't take long for whatever it is to become habit to become normal. Yeah. Well, how about this? The same way bad habits become normal, right? And they become normal because you keep perpetuating that cycle. Good things, right? Uh, you know, you you can you can be one of those guys out there that says good things never happen to me. You can be like, um, you know, I would love I would love to do this, but I would love for this to happen, but. You know, fuck, make that shit happen. Um, don't give up trying to be happy because people around you are not making you happy. Go make your fucking self happy and then start introducing other people to your happy um, or your new normal. Um that that's that's some of the uh, advice I can give. You know what I mean? Like, hey, um, you know, people have reached out to me and was like, hey, I, you know, I see, I see you on Facebook and I see things are doing. You know, you're doing well. You're 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 great. You're this, that, and the other. And I'm like, you know, I have to, I have to caution people and be like. You got to understand on Facebook, people allow you to see what they want you to see. If they, they want you to see that they're happy and their life is fucking perfect, that's easy to project. Um, you know, nobody, 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 everybody hates the person that gets on there and be like, oh, my life's shit. And this is why it's shit. And, you know, that's what I, I tell my dad that you want sympathy, go to Facebook. I ain't giving you any. Right. I mean, no, no. prayers. Right. <laughs> Fucking. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah. I mean, it, but people rarely um, say, all right, this is what I'm going to do. And, you know, I, I have a conversation with uh, Mike Callahan all the time. He's like, man, you, you, it seems like you're doing good. I'm like, bro, uh, 
The only thing I have done is move my baseline of mood up. So, you know, um, the, the, instead of going from, you know, zero to a hundred right now, you know, or, or I used to walk around, I used to use the analogy, like, you know, people like, man, you fly off the hook, right? You're like a walking time bomb, right? And, and the time is always ticking with you. You know, that was the analogy my, my ex-wife used to say. And, and after I left in a rational moment, I'm like, you know what? You're, you're right. And it would take me no time flat to get fucking pissed off. And then it took me hours to de-escalate being pissed off. And, you know, um, now it don't take me, it, it don't, it takes me longer to get pissed off because where, you know, where I was walking around at a 30 and, or, or a 60 and it was easy to get to a hundred from there. Now I'm walking around at a 10 or a 20, right? Um, well, and that's when Brandy and I, so I have a lot of baggage from my first marriage. So when Brandy and I got together, um, I would I would stay pissed for days. She would stay pissed for hours, right? So you know clearly you know because I used to be real high strung and shit. Now she stays pissed for hours. She's not changed, but I don't stay pissed for days. I stay pissed for minutes. Yeah. And and now I look like the one who's got my shit together a little bit better because and it and that makes her even more irritated because she's never changed her anger um but because i've gotten a better control of like you said i i you know i tell everybody i'm a bottle rocket i shoot up real fast i throw some pretty colors and then i'm done like i don't i don't stay again part of that's therapy part of that's medication uh another thing i tell everybody is i spent so much time in iraq and afghanistan whether i was active or as a contractor no matter how mad I got about something, it wasn't going to change it. So you just kind of learn to, you know, embrace the suck, yeah. roll with the punches. Just if if I have no, and I tell my dad this and Brandy all the time because they stress about everything. If you can't control it, who fucking cares? Yeah. You know, I, I recently, you know, had a, um, a cancer scare, you know, with that nodule they found on my thyroid. And Brandy and my dad are stressing the fuck out about it. And I'm like, if it is, they take my thyroid and I take Synthroid the rest of my life. If it ain't, fuck it. It ain't no big deal. Like, there's no reason to stress and lose your mind over it. It, it either is or it isn't. And if it is, this is what's going to happen. You know, luckily it came back. It was benign. No yeah. big deal. Yeah. Um, and, it, and Brandy and my dad had a huge weight lifted off. And, and I felt better, too. But if it would have come back cancer, they would have just taken my thyroid. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. it. There was nothing I could do about it at that right. point. It's not like I did something to get that, right? You know, so yeah, and just again, I, I mean, and and I and I, I told Brandy, I said, just so you know, if this does come back, um, we're not going to be on Facebook telling everybody because I'm not going to be that guy that cries all the time because he's got cancer. Because <laughs> and that what Steve asked me. So you, you gonna be that motherfucker bitches all the time because you got cancer? Man, the look she gave me after I fucking said that, and I'm like, 
Again, I thought it was hilarious. I mean, because you know it comes with, it, it well, comes from a but place again, of love. I'm not stressing about it. Right. She's like freaked the fuck out. Yeah, I honestly think she's freaked the fuck out because if something happens to me, she's gonna have to take care of herself. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's valid. Uh, <laughs> and I don't mean money wise. <laughs> yeah, it's valid. Um, but yeah, it's, man, the look she gave me. <laughs> yeah, you pissed her off. <laughs> good gracious. Uh, you hit one of those raw nerves. I know. I'm like, I guess. I guess I can't joke about cancer huh? okay. too soon. <laughs> right? Like the Pee Wee Herman. Yeah. <laughs> the word of the day: dead. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, but yeah, it's it's you know you just you know it, it's it's not a matter of getting your shit together. It's a matter of um, adjusting how you interact with the world, yeah, it, and how you allow the world to interact with you. Yes, very. You know, it's and that I've done. I've done a lot of that. I've done a lot of, um, you know, limiting interaction. You know, I do a lot of things, but I do. You know. We we go places and uh, fundraise, and <clears throat> you know, uh, Duchess would be like, "Hey, why don't you go talk to that table over there?" I'm like, "Cause I don't want to talk to anybody at that table over there." She got great ideas, super great. And in theory, they would be they're they're amazing. Okay. In practice, though, we're we're not those, right? <laughs> right. I'm like, you know, no, no. Uh, I'm not going to, like, I'm going to hold a, my part of this puzzle is I'm going to hold a sign over here that says, if you want to win $10,000, come get a ticket. You get off your ass, bring your ass over here, and you come get a ticket. But that's what we say all the time is that you need to take responsibility for yourself. Right. Unfortunately... (laughs) When it comes to fundraising, it's less about, hey, come on over, and more of bring your ass yeah. here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, it, you know, like my part of this relationship is um, August 19th, I'm going to pull tickets out of a tumbler. And if your name gets picked, I'm going to then call you, and then I'm going to deliver however much you want. That's my part. The least you can fucking do is come meet me over here and, you know, but well, buy a ticket. But the ladies did great that night. Um, uh, so I sat there and drank and drank and drank some more and drank some more. So you were talking earlier about some of our guys that were talking about not wanting to go to crowds. That used yeah. to be me. Right. Um, therapy taught me that I need to, um, do things that I'm not comfortable with, not because I need to torture myself, but because I need to train my brain to understand that it's okay to do those things. And sometimes, sometimes you do not go to places you restrict yourself because of the what ifs. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if that happens? You know, and the what ifs keep you, if I sit here on my couch in my underwear, none of that, nobody can get to me. Yep. 
none of, you know, I won't hear nothing triggering. I won't do nothing triggering, you know. Whiskey and, and underwear is a great armor. All, most certainly. <laughs> and I wore, I wore the shit of it. Um, but so to go to crowds, I, you have to take those baby steps. And for me, it was Brandy because she knows me better than anybody. She knows. Oh, I, it, I thought you were going to say her little feet, but go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> she, speak. I'll tell you a story about that in just a second from Rural King the other day. But she could navigate me. You know, we went to a Browns game and I was super, super nervous about going. Um, and the worst part was leaving the stadium with all those motherfucking people. Yeah. But she was able to without making it blatantly obvious, guide me through the crowd and over to the far side away from the thick of it. And, and I was good. And each subsequent time she takes me out and cause she is the one that forces me to go to these things. Um, each subsequent time we do it, things get a little more tolerable and a little more tolerable and a little more tolerable. Um, and I think that, you know, the guys that say they can't do a crowd or they can't do this or they can't do that. I think if they were at a point where they could do it in baby steps, they would find that they can tolerate it. Um, it's just, you, you have to figure, you know, figure that transition out to what would be normal again. So I think it comes down to what, what do you think the worst thing? All right. So, I've I've never been um I've never been a big crowds do something to me person, right? <clears throat> it's not the crowd itself, it's the people inside the crowd, right? So just what what does that mean? Well, like inadvertently someone's going to say something or do something to fucking irritate me. Yeah. See, that's not what it is for me. That, uh, but that's what it is for me. It's like, I can go somewhere where there's a million fucking people. If a million fucking people don't say anything to me, I'm a hundred percent. Or you can go somewhere where there's five people. Yes. And if five people are like, Hey, you know, I'm like, Oh, get the fuck away from me. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, um, for me, it's, it's the um, it was the anxiety of the sheer amount of because I I'm a person who's historically been a homebody right. Um, you add in the you know I don't manage everyday stress. Now you're taking a person who doesn't you know I'm not on the introvert level like Sarge is right, but I'm a person who doesn't like to be around you know to go out and do things and, and do all that that's stressful for me. Now you add in the fact that I can't handle everyday stress. And now you're going to put that type of stress on me. I, I, I'll lose my fucking mind. Right. I'd have full blown panic attack. Yeah. I mean, but that's what I'm saying. Like, um, I, I would go to like at the height of my, uh, what are we going to call it? Sickness. The height of my, the the bowling point of all my troubles. Uh, I I go to concerts. I, I had I didn't have a problem. Didn't have like I didn't be like ah. Uh, I'm gonna go to this concert and you know. But what I found 
when I was going to concerts, you know, uh, depending on the concerts, again, go to country concert, went to um, uh, Florida, Georgia, Florida, Georgia line, right? Um, and, and people act a certain way. And usually when they, they're drunk, their inhibitions go down and they want to fucking, you know, um, say some shit. And, you know, that... But I've learned, you know, somebody calls me an asshole, I mean, they don't fucking know me. But you're spot on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I shouldn't get offended that you call me an asshole, but, you know, you don't fucking know me, so... It, if you know me and you call me an asshole, okay. Yeah. You, you spitting right. facts. Yeah. If you don't know me and you call me an asshole, you're just trying to be a dickhead. P- pretty good guess. Yeah. yeah. Pretty good guess. You're being an asshole by calling me an asshole. Right. And uh, so, yeah, like, I've been in, I've been in bars um, and, you know, my mood would change and people would be like, is it time to go? Like. You fucking stay. I'm fucking leaving. Um, you know, I. You know, I talked about the situation with the the thing at Chrissy's birthday party. You know, I I didn't have a problem going to that bar, but someone is going to make it a problem for me. Then. You know, now I'm gonna have to punch you in the face, and then I'm gonna have to feel a certain way about that. Um, but yeah, that that large crowds ain't a big problem. Like you know, uh, at that concert Saturday, you know, uh, you take the mayor with you. He's fucking talking to everybody, um, and that's his personality. And and man, that's just what he does. Yeah. You know, even even when the people are behind us are like, we're from Ohio. Where are you from? And I'm like, uh, Zanesville. I, I don't know where that is. Where is it in Ohio? Like, <laughs> you know, like you, you're like, you're like that too. Like, um, on deployment, you know, you're, you're, you'll fucking, you'll fucking lay it out for people. Be like, hey, yeah, we left Ohio on Friday. Certain, certain people and in certain scenarios, I, I can just gab with somebody. Yep. And in other people and other scenarios, I want to talk to fuck nobody. Yeah. And, and I'm like, I'm kind of in between you and Bobby. Yeah. And which, you know, you're sitting there the other year, but this year you get to ride through Appalachia, a part of Ohio. Most people, you know, rarely see the twisties, the, you know, the, the switchbacks, the, and you know, you get a, in Ohio, you get on a route. If it has a triple digit, stay on it, bro. Cause every three, every three number road over here, it's worth riding. Yeah. You know, the triple nickel gets all the glamor and the yeah. glitz. Yeah. But there's a whole lot of triple-digit nut yep. roads that are real nice. They're real nice. And then, you know, um, we have we have a lot of, you know, a lot of good auction items. Um, but we usually, 
usually we have some big ticket items. You know, we have, uh, uh, you get a chance that last year we had a guitar signed by Hank Williams Jr. You know what I mean? Um, we, we get, um, we'll have some bottles of, um, bottles of, of liquor, you know, that are not, um, relatively easy to find where we're at. You know, we've, we've in our travels. Yeah. In our travels out. Yeah. We got one this year from, from what, um, Colorado. I mean, so in our travels that that's what we do. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, so you get a good ride, you get a good meal. Um, our, our DJ, um, hits it out of the park every year. Um, again, donates his time. Yep. Donates his time. All, all I have to do is, uh, open a tab for him. And, uh, <laughs> he, uh, he's all about it. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, um, Clayton's a good dude. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, he even, he'll go as far to come down to, um, you know, the VFW, you know, usually where we had in years past and he'll check. There's a way you can check the most played songs on the jukebox or whatever they have. It ain't a jukebox anymore. It's more automated than that. Yeah, now, it's, like but, a, it's like a big ass fucking iTunes right. console or whatever. So he's able, he's able to tap into that and see, you know, the playlists that people like in there. And that's what he plays. You know what I mean? That's fucking, that's pretty cool. You know what I mean? So, I mean, he does his due diligence and we, and we appreciate him coming out. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, and we're 22 people. Yeah. We're not a big chapter. And it's 22, 22 people right there. Um, that, that put it together. It's, it's, a strong 10 and uh, their spouses and then a couple of individuals. Well, I mean, was Saturday when Gunny was like, you gave how much? Yeah. <laughs> and you're how big? <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, but that's what we're doing this year. Um, we're doing a cash bash. Um, oh, we're doing a shameless plug. Yeah, most <laughs> most fucking certainly. Uh, this year we're going to Cash Bash. We're at the uh, Cambridge Eagles from uh, nine a.m. to you know probably four p.m. We'll be in there, but um, yeah, get there early, uh, register. Chance to win a hundred bucks. Yeah, just, just for, by registering. Just by registering, pay that twenty dollars, you get a chance to win a hundred bucks back. Um, we're drawing five. That's um, we're drawing that five times. So we're giving away $500 there. And then when you get in the door, um, you know, again, we have door prizes. Um, you'll get a meal from grilling, grilling and chilling Dave style here in Zanesville, Ohio. Yeah, we won't be doing the open spit because of the logistics of where we're going to be doing it. But right. We're still going to give you some damn good food. We're going to give you some damn good. You're going to have three different meats, three different sides, um, all, all the sauces and all that we're going to provide that for you. Um, DJ will be there. Clayton will be there playing again. And then uh, every 15 minutes, starting at 11 o'clock, we're going to give away money. Yeah. 
And every hour on the hour is the thousand dollar drawing. It'll go a thousand dollars. It'll go one twenty five, um, and then it'll go five hundred, and then it'll go two fifty. A thousand dollars, one twenty five, five hundred, two fifty, a thousand dollars, all the way up to three o'clock. And at three o'clock, we're giving away um, two thousand five hundred dollars. And oh, by the way, at any time during there, your ticket gets pulled. We throw it back in. So you can win the thousand dollars at eleven, and you can win the twenty five hundred at three off of one ticket. Off of one ticket. And we have tickets left. Yeah. Go to CVMA twelve six dot com to get your tickets. Um it's twenty five dollars a ticket. You know you spent twenty five dollars on dumber shit. Right. And and you're getting four times you the the least you can win is four times the amount you spent on that ticket. Yep. Right? We're giving you a hundred plus your twenty five back. Yep. So come on, people. Twenty five bucks gets you seventeen chances you don't have, to win. You don't have to be there. You don't have to be present to win, but we encourage you to come down. Yeah, it's a damn good party. Well, the big thing too is is like I've told like last year when we were when we were raffling off the bike and people would say stuff. I'm like, You've spent money on dumber shit. And, oh, by the way, if, well, because people would say, well, I never win anything. Okay. Then don't, don't do it because you might win something. Do it because you want to give 25 bucks to a veterans organization. Because that's where the money's going. That's it. And, and we're paying, we're giving away 10 grand regardless of we sell one ticket or all thousand tickets. We're forking out the money for the 10 grand. The money you're giving us is going to our charities. Yep. I mean, we're eating the 10 regardless, you know. So give money to a charity. Oh, by the way, you're donating 25 bucks to a charity, but we're giving you a chance, 17 chances to win some fucking money. Yeah. So it's it's not even like it's selfless donation. There's opportunity there for you to benefit greatly from it. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think that's I think that's goes back to the the very first question. Why do we not give to our communities without getting some type of benefit in return? And I don't know if it's always been that way because that's not the environment that I grew up in. Um, you know, so I, maybe I have this romanticized vision of previous generations, um, giving to their communities to make things better. Um, or maybe I'm a hundred percent right. Uh, I don't know. Um, I'm just saying that growing up the way I grew up and the way I was raised and all that jazz, you didn't have to put on your Sunday best to be a contributing member to society. No. And and motorcyclists are some of the most giving um people out there. Yeah. You know, I guess I you know, um I guess when we're out in our vests, people automatically assume we're an MC, we're not. Um but even then, even even the most hardcore motorcycle club right and and i'm not going to label them whatever just what they claim to be the hardcore motorcycle clubs they still give charity oh yeah you know what i mean like like you can see all of the gangland episodes you want to see but those organizations still do charitable work and i think it goes back to what we say all the time when we're riding and we're looking at we're like this is why we served yeah when we're riding I think we get that same 
we have that appreciation that when we're riding the opportunity, the, the paying 25 bucks to register for somebody's poker ride for them to give money to a charity is the least we could pay to be able to ride what we ride. I've, I've given a hundred just by fucking up names. <laughs> I would scratch them out, put their name on a ride ticket and then buy those t- uh, you know yeah um but yeah i mean you know it, it's and you know like last year we tried to give away a lot of money last year and people gave it back because that's what they do yeah you know what i mean and that's and that's why there's still there's still like i said in the beginning not everybody fits the mold of what we've been negatively talking about there is an overwhelming majority of people that still believe in giving of their time, giving of their money.
We encourage your feedback and want to hear your stories. Hit us up, whiskeywillswounds.com. You'll find links to our social media and email. Remember, everyone deployed around the world, those still missing in action and prisoners of war, the homeless veterans in this country, and those veterans lost to suicide each year. Find a reason, not an excuse. Thank you for listening. See you next time. Whiskey, will, will.